We're doing a series. We kind of finished up one series last week, and we're starting a new one. Um, the series that we're about to start is so important. It's so important that I didn't want to be the only one to do this. So Todd and I are going to tag team through this series. We're going to do a six-week series on an idea of faith. What does it mean to have faith? What does it mean to be faithful? So we're going to be tag teaming through this series. And so I want to encourage you to please, if you can make it through these next six series, to come and be a part of it. Have you ever met someone whose faith just seems to work? Now, I don't know if you know what I mean. I'm not, I'm not talking about the guy who, who has the religious cliches. We all know that guy. The, the one who, when we're going through something, has that quick, well, God doesn't give you more than you can handle. I'm not talking about that guy. I'm not talking about the guy who simply says, well, you know what? Good things come to those who love God. There are people who will have religious cliche, and I'm not talking about that kind of person. I'm talking about the kind of person whose faith works. I'm not talking about the guy who is quick to put a, a memory verse on his Facebook page, even though that's good. I'm talking about the guy that faith works. That when they wake up in the morning and their world is beginning to spin out of control, they don't spin out of control with it. That person who no matter what is going on has the ability to smile. It's okay. I know who's got this. And they get up, they put their shoes on, and they continue to go forward. You might see their shoulders slump. You might see them cry. But there's nothing that is going to shake them from their faith. We've all been around those people, haven't we? I, I know I've, over the years I've met many of them and I so am inspired by them and I so want to be that person. I so want my faith to look like theirs that we're going to talk about it because all of us have seen the other side too, haven't we? All of us have seen the other side where we know that person who was so strong in their faith, who was so religious, so had every right word to say and yet when something happened, bad came into their life, they crumbled and no longer are they found with the faith. So I want to talk about this. Where, what do we need to do to have a faith that is going to be standing when everything else is falling down around us? How do we have a faith that is going to last in the tough times and be there when our kids are going to be growing up. Now, this kind of faith, you, you can't open up the cereal box. You remember the little toys you used to get on the bottom of the cereal box? Okay, this is not the kind of faith where you can rip open the cereal box, dump out the cereal and grab your faith packet. This is not the sort of faith that you can open up a book and you read it and it jumps on you. This is not something where you can open up a YouTube channel. You can't go searching on YouTube and, and find a how do I have faith thing and have it. The faith that is going to last, the faith is that is going to carry us through 
is going to be something that is going to have to be directed. It is going to have to be strengthened. It is going to have to be built. It's like a muscle. But here's the good news. You actually already have enough faith. You really don't need any more. You have enough. We just need to stop and learn how to direct that faith. Sometimes it feels like our faithometer gets broken, doesn't it? You ever been there when something kind of spiraled out of control and it feels like my faithometer just kind of, God, I don't have faith. The reality is, is that all of us have enough faith. It doesn't take much. In fact, Jesus said, if you have faith the size of a grain of mustard, you can say to this mountain, get up and be moved and it will move. In other words, Jesus is telling us it doesn't need much faith. We already have enough faith. Today, I want to talk about a story from the book of Mark, Mark chapter four. And in fact, I really want to encourage you, if you have an opportunity to go home and read this entire chapter, because I think it will get us into a little bit better context. But Mark records the recollections of Peter. So what we believe is that the book of Mark is actually the recordings of Peter. Peter was remembering and Mark was writing it down. And I can almost imagine as, as Peter is writing down, or as Mark is writing down Peter's thoughts, he looks over at Peter and he says, Peter, I don't get how you have so much faith. Peter, you, you, you've been beaten. Peter, you, you've gone through all this stuff, that this, this constant barrage of of people criticizing you. Peter, the stress of what you're going through all the time. Peter, how do you do it? How do you have so much faith? How did you get it? Peter, Peter, at what time, when did you get faith? And Peter probably sat there and chuckled a little bit and he said, well, Mark, I want to tell you something. I've never actually struggled with faith. I've always had enough. And Mark looks at him a little bit. I, just, I can just imagine this conversation going back and forth because as Mark looks at him a little bit, he said, Peter, come on. <laughs> Don't tell me you've always had enough. We all know. We were all there when, uh, re remember at the Last Supper, the, that, that holiday, that Passover, when Jesus got arrested and, and you took off? Remember how you were hiding in the ship. Peter, what do you mean you had enough faith? Don't you remember when that little girl kind of criticized you? You broke down and cussed and denied. I mean, Peter, what are you talking about? You were going to go back to fishing. What do you mean you've had enough faith? Peter said, well, let me explain. I want to explain something to you. Get your pen. Write this down. I want to tell you a story that happened. And he said, here it is. Put it down, and I want you to remember it. And so Mark chapter 4, we begin to read this story about how Peter recalls this time. They were on the banks of the sea, probably the Sea of Galilee. And as they were sitting there, the crowds began to build. Now, this was nothing new. This is what happened all the time. As Jesus would sit down, the crowds would begin to gather around and Jesus would begin to teach. But on this day, Jesus began to teach and he gave four different stories on faith. 
So in Mark chapter four, he begins to give four different stories. And he says, right, guys, I want to teach you this little thing about faith. What does it mean to have faith? And so he starts off this story with the story of a guy who, a farmer who takes some seed and he begins to go out and he begins to scatter. And some get scattered on stony ground and some get scattered on thorny ground and some get scattered. And in fact, he says some of it even got scattered into good ground. And he begins to talk about how that faith began to sprout. And he began to deal with this idea of faith, about preparing our hearts for faith. And so he began to talk about the idea that we need to be prepared and that we need to be actively pursuing and trying to get stuff out of our life that, that blocks and, and hurts our faith. And so he says, okay. But he didn't stop there. It was quite a long story, but he continued. And he continued on with another story, and he, he, he told another one that had to do with an idea of a lamp. He says, men don't take a lamp, and they don't stick it under a table or under a bed. They don't stick a basket over the top of it. Why not? Well, we all know why not. Because the light is intended to be put on the highest place so that it lights up a room. So let your light so shine before men. In other words, he began to say, your faith should be something that shouldn't necessarily be hidden. It should be evident. It should be a part of who you are. It's not something that you, you say, oh, my faith, I stick it under my bed. I stick it in the closet. I, I only tell people if they ask. But it's who I am. It's what I do. Well, he then goes on. So he tells a story about a farmer who sows seeds over different kinds of ground. He tells a story of, of a man who has a light and he puts it on a candlestick or on a lampstand or on the middle of the table so that every, give light to everyone. He then continues on to tell the story of another farmer. Now, this is kind of an interesting one because he starts changing the direction of the idea of faith. And so he tells the farmer about a farmer who goes out and he sows a bunch of seed and then he walks away and doesn't think anything of it. And guess what happens? In spite of the farmer not worrying about the seed, the seed begins to sprout. The seed begins to grow. The seed matures and the seed gives off fruit and the farmer scattered it, but it wasn't to do anything with the farmer. And so Jesus began to deal with this idea that the faith that we begin to have is not always up to us. It, it, it begins to deal with the situation and the circumstances that God begins to put into our lives and he begins to water and he begins to allow and it's not really up to us. And then he tells one more story. And he says this, you know what? The kingdom of heaven, it's like a mustard seed. It's small. Does anyone like to eat the raw mustard seeds on, put it on your sandwich? If you haven't tried it, they're pretty good. But if you ever had a little mustard seed, there, there's not much to it. It's a spicy little thing, but it, it's small and it's tiny. But when you plant it, a mustard plant does not stay this little tiny thing. It grows up into a huge bush. 
In fact, Jesus said that from, from the perspective of a bush, this herb, I, I guess we would refer to it as, gets large enough that the birds can actually land on it and they even will build their nests in it sometimes. In other words, he's dealing with this idea that sometimes our faith continues. Our faith should be something that continues to grow beyond us. Not up to us, but big enough that it moves beyond us. As he finishes these stories, evening starts to come. It's starting to get dark. And Jesus looks at his disciples and says, you know what, guys, it's been a long day. We need to get to the other side. Now, he's just given four lessons on faith. And I would actually like to spend time on all four of these. But this is not really where I want to spend my time on. Because Jesus waited till the last to give his greatest lesson on faith. And so to pick this up, I'm going to read it from Mark chapter 4 and just kind of follow along with me, verses 35 through 38. And we're going to pick it up here, and then we'll get back to it. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind. And I love the way that Peter recounts this because he's given it to us the best way he can remember. So he says, we all got in the boat and we hit it across. And yeah, there were some people who were still following us, trying to stay close to Jesus. And he said, although other boats followed, but soon a fierce storm came up. High winds were breaking into the boat and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up shouting, teacher, don't you care about us? We're about to drown. When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and he said to the waves, silence, be still. And suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. Then he asked them saying, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? And the disciples were absolutely ter terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and the waves obey him. Okay. You, you, you can get the picture, can't you? Jesus has just spent a long day sitting in the sun. There's no trees. When you know this area, there's no trees on the, the banks of the shore. It's just hot sun. And so he's been sitting in the sun all day. He's been teaching, lots of crowds. He crawls into the boat. It's starting to go a little bit dust. The breeze is starting to cool down. The waves are rocking back and forth, back and forth. Back and forth. You ever been at the beach in the evening time and it's just that calm, peaceful, and as you're sitting there on the beach and you just want to kind of close your eyes and you're listening to the waves, just kind of. And the disciples push the little boat out in the water and they hit out. Well, Jesus did what I would do. He went to the back of the boat, found a cushion, and he went to sleep. Yet, in the middle of that storm, as they were about to drown, they woke Jesus up, and they're screaming and hollering, saying, Jesus, come on, wake up, wake up. We're about to drown here. Do something. I don't know what you're going to do, but do something. We're about to drown. Jesus rebukes the winds and the waves. And that moment brought more terror of who Jesus was than a calm assurance of who he was. 
Let's just talk about faith real quickly. What is faith? Jesus looked at him and he says, guys, I just gave you four lessons on faith today. Do you not still get it? I talked about it in four different ways. I broke it down in four different perspectives. Don't you get this idea of faith yet? What are you missing? Okay, what is faith? Faith is the idea or it's the ability to have a confidence in something, isn't it? Is that not what faith is? When you have faith, you have a complete confidence in something. This night, as the disciples were pushing their boat out from the seashore, they didn't have a problem with faith. And Jesus wasn't asking them really about their faith. He was asking about their object or what they were putting their faith in. You see, as they pushed that boat out, they had complete confidence in getting to the other side. Most of these men, or a lot of these men, were actually fishermen. They had grown up on the water. Their whole lives was about boats and water. They knew what they were doing. They weren't afraid of getting in the boat. They knew how to sail a boat. They knew how to get across the shore. They were confident in their ability. This is what they had done since they were kids, and now these are men, and they're not afraid. There's plenty of experienced fishermen in this boat. They're not afraid. Number two, I say they were fishermen, and so as they got into this boat, guess what? They were familiar with boats. They knew what boats could do. They knew how to get a boat through a storm. They'd been through many of them. They were fishermen. Storms came up regularly on the Sea of Galilee. This was not some odd event. They'd been through storms, but this was different. Not only that, they weren't just competent fishermen. They were not just confident in their boat, but they were confident of they knew exactly where they were going. These guys grew up on this lake. This is where they made the trade. They knew every town along that seashore. Why would they not be confident as they got in the boat? Their problem was not their confidence. They had plenty of it. But this night, and Jesus knew what he was doing. In fact, we very clearly, as Jesus is pushing it through, he very clearly asks the question, so what happened to your faith? Where's your faith? Well, Jesus, we have faith. We know what we're doing. We're confident in our abilities. We're confident in our boat. We're confident in in our directions. But this night, the storm that hit was unlike any other storm that they had ever been through before. The storm that hit them was something that was so unique that it scared the life out of them. You and I have had these moments where something we go through is no different than what these disciples went through. We've all been through storms. But every once in a while, there's a storm that comes into our life that's unlike any others that's hit before. And Jesus looks at us and he says, hey, where's your faith? Now, Jesus, I have faith. You see, as as they're looking at it, I don't know what's going on. The problem was, was not their faith. It was the object of their faith. This night, as they were putting their confidence in themselves, they were fishermen. 
They were experienced. I don't know what happened. Maybe, maybe this night as they got in the boat, as, they, as that storm rose up and as those waves began to start crashing into that boat, there might have been a realization that in all of their experience, they hadn't really planned for this storm. And, you know, these little fishing boats weren't really designed to carry 13 people. They were designed to carry like three or four with some nets. This night, there's 13 guys in this boat. And they might have, it might have dawned on them at the last moment, hey, oh my goodness, we've been putting our faith and confidence in this boat, but it wasn't designed to carry 13 people through a storm. And so as our little boat is kind of weighed down, we can't keep the waves from coming in. Maybe tonight they were a bit kind of thrown around because maybe that storm got so dark and, and, and it covered up all the stars and as they got out there, they couldn't see where they were going. They didn't know where the seashore was, which direction they were headed, and, and they were lost. Something in what they were doing caused them to be afraid. They had had plenty of confidence when they started. They knew exactly where they were going. They, they, they were experienced. They had all the, the equipment. They, they had the knowledge. You know what maybe it was? Maybe they'd taken the water bailout buckets out of the boat in order to put their food and water in for the day. We won't need that. We, we haven't used that in two years. We'll just take that out. We'll be fine for today. I, I don't know what it was. Something caused them to be afraid. When Jesus was asking about their faith, they had plenty of faith that night when they started. But they had faith in the wrong thing. They had faith in their ability, they had faith in their equipment. They had faith in their knowledge. And yet all three of them let them down. You see, when the object of our faith is misplaced, when the storm hits, fear sets in. So when Jesus looked at him and he says, don't you have faith? He wasn't asking directly about their faith. What he was asking about is, haven't you learned to trust me yet? Did you think I was gonna let you drown? Can't you trust me yet? Okay, you know what their answer was? No, Jesus, we can't trust you yet. We don't know you that well. We've only known you for a little while. Yeah, we've seen you do some amazing things. Okay, we're not, we're not disputing that. But to have complete confidence in is a totally different idea, isn't it? You're asking us to put our faith in you and not in our ability. Jesus, you're asking us to put our faith in you and not, and not in what we've known and what we've worked hard on all our whole life. Jesus, you're asking us to simply say, we trust you. 
Jesus, we have families to feed. When you have a family to feed, doesn't that change your, um, it changes your perspective a little bit. Jesus, we have bills that have to be paid. Jesus, you don't understand, I have a reputation. I'm Peter. I'm the fisherman. I'm the the, the can-do guy. I'm can-do Peter. That's what they call me around here. Don't you realize that? And so as Jesus is looking at him, as Jesus is asking him, don't you have faith? He's not really asking them about their faith. He's asking them about their object of faith. Can't you trust me? Haven't you seen what I can do? Haven't you seen me feed the 5,000? Haven't you seen me heal the sick? Don't you think I can take care of the storm? And this night, calming the storm did not make them more confident in who he was. It terrified them more. Seeing him for what he could do just scared him. God showed up this night, calmed the storm. They were terrified. Yet just a couple years later, and I'm going to try to move this on really fast. But a couple years later, something totally changed everything with Peter. Now, we know the story, don't we? we we've read the end of Matthew. We've, we've read the books. We, we've been here during Easter, right? We know the story, what happened. This Peter, this one who was terrified, the one who stopped and, and said, you know what? We did not and we could not trust him. We were trying. We were learning and, and he was teaching us some amazing things, but our faith was not at a place where it could confidently Rest in him. But something changed, and just a couple years later, we know the story. Jesus and his disciples were celebrating a Jewish holiday, or the Jewish holiday of Passover, in Jerusalem. And as he was there, one of Peter's close friends and one of Jesus' close friends decided to betray him. And they went. And he turned him in and he basically sold him out for 30 pieces of silver. And as he did that, Peter's world came crashing down. That night as Jesus got arrested, Peter, every fear, every tear, everything that he had experienced before became real once again. Peter was struggling with the object of what he trusted in. Because right now, what he was learning to and who he was being told he could trust, the one who said, you can trust me in every situation. I'm the guy who can storm that, you know, who can calm that storm that you've seen. I'm, I'm the guy who can heal the sick. I'm the guy have, and yet this night, Peter watched him get arrested, beaten, mocked, spat on, and eventually put on a, cross and crucified. Everything that Peter thought that he had been learning about the idea of faith or the idea of having confidence in this one that they called Jesus went out the window in seconds. 
Jesus, you've been saying we can trust you, but now look at what's happening. You're dead. How can we have confidence in, in someone who is dead? And that is where we find ourselves so many times where we stop and we say, yes, we, we love Jesus. Yes, we do. We love Jesus and we sing the song, can't, so can't you? I mean, why not? I know a scripture verse that I so love Jesus, but when that time begins to come and we go, oh, yeah, yeah, I, God, we're, we're trying to trust, but yet Peter found himself in a situation Whereas he was hiding in the shadows. As he was stopping there and cursing the one who he loved. Who he said he followed. The one who he said he would go to the grave for. The one he ran and hid from. It was done. Three days later something happened didn't it? You know the story. You've read it. You've heard it. You've been here on Easter. You know what happened next. He came out of that tomb. He sat and he began to eat with them again. He began to teach them again. He, he began to walk with them again. And something happened that changed Peter's perspective. The one who stopped and said, you can trust me, not only calmed a storm, he walked out of a tomb. Okay, that changed everything. It's good to know that he can calm the storm, but it's better to know he can walk out of a tomb. You see, Peter got to a place where he realized that this, you can kill my body. It doesn't matter because I know the one who can raise it up again. You can take my life. Is that the worst you can do? I know the one who can give life and has something better promised. So Peter began that night and he began to say, okay, I can put my complete confidence in him. Mark, I didn't have a problem with faith. I had a problem with the object of my faith. I had complete confidence in who I was. I had complete confidence in, in my fishing ability. I had complete confidence in my equipment. I, I had complete confidence in my knowledge. I, I was just struggling to put my confidence in the one who could calm the storm. You see, all of us find ourselves in that exact same spot where we can come and we kind of tag from faith onto our lives, don't we? It's something that we stick on to the end of it. But when we ask about the question of do we have complete confidence in the one who calmed the storm, most of us, if we're honest, begin to struggle with that idea. We're no different than Peter. Yes, we, we've been there. We've seen, we've seen God do some amazing things. We've seen God, we, we've sung the songs. We, we've read the Bible verses. We might have even memorized it and quoted it at someone. But what does God do in my life and can I truly trust him in every situation? And that's where our little, uh, my faith meter feels like it starts kind of doing this little, whoa, whoa, I think I know, I can't, yeah. I, mm. I, 
I mean, most of us, we want to have complete confidence in God, don't we? Most of us don't want to have confidence in ourselves because we realize when we put the confidence in our education, in our bank accounts, in our monies, in our car, I mean, when we put our education in our spouses, when we put our, edu- our, our confidence in, in our parents, when we put our confidence in everything around us, what usually happens? Something to let us down. It never seems to fail. I, 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 my skill level was right where it would need to be, and yet I got fired. I knew everything I needed to know, and yet I couldn't remember it when I needed it. I put my complete confidence in my spouse, and they weren't there when I needed them the most. I put my complete confidence, I've worked hard on my, on my house, and a flood comes along, and where am I at? You see, the reality is, is that when we put our confidence in something other than, and I'm not downplaying all these other things. It's important that we get education. It's important that we learn to save. It's important that we do these things. But it's the order of where we put our faith. It is what is at the center of our lives. Peter never had a problem with his faith and neither do we. We just struggle with the order of our faith. What comes first? Is it him? Or is it my degree? Is it him or is it my skill set? Is it him or is it my house? Is it him or is it my car? Is it him or? There is one who calmed the storm. And I'm going to real quickly... Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. How do we begin to build this? All right, I've got to finish. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. We read this. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorned its shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. When we want to begin to build our faith, when we want to begin to redirect our faith, when we want to begin to get the object of our faith where it belongs, how do we do it? And I just want to focus on this one verse real quickly. Eyes on him. To focus our moments on him. To acknowledge him. Okay, for the sake of this morning, here's what I'm suggesting. The first thing we do when we wake up, if we want to begin to build a faith that is wrapped around him, is simply acknowledge him. The Lord's Prayer started how? Our Father which art in heaven. It started with the acknowledgement of who he is. First, foremost, above everything, and in everything. So when you wake up and your world is already beginning to spin, before you even put your foot on the ground, can you stop and say, God, this morning, I'm about to go through. Be with me. Okay. I'm not saying God's going to calm all your storms. And I'm not trying to say that at all. He may just choose to walk through them with you. 
I'm not saying God's gonna remove the problems out of your life. I'm saying we can trust him though in spite of the problems. He can and he will do something in and through them if we allow him. Look, you still have need for strength. You still have the need for your skill sets. You still have the, the, the need to get up and do what you need to do. You just need to begin to place your object in the right place. All right, four questions. I'm over time, but give me just 30 seconds maybe. I don't know. Let's go through four questions real quickly. Here's your homework. I want you to figure out what is your most valuable skill that you have. What is it that you put your confidence in? What is your most valuable skill that you stop and say, if you remove this, I, I, I feel like I no longer exist. This is who I am. This is me. What is it? Number two, what would that skill look like if you were to kind of overlay God on top of it? Now, I'm not trying to say you don't develop that skill. What I'm trying to say is, what would that skill begin to look like if you began to acknowledge God in that skill? Just simply say, God, thank you for this ability. God, help me while I do this. God, it's because of you that I am who I am. What would your skill begin to look like if you could begin to overlay him within that? Number three, what is it that has you concerned today? What is it that is niggling at your heart? What is it that's, that's, that's constantly rolling around on your mind? What is it that's just, I can't go to sleep because this little thing is niggling away at me? Question number four. At what point do you stop and just acknowledge God? I'm just asking you to kind of acknowledge, as you go through your day, just kind of, kind of think through these things. What is my most important skill? What would that skill look like if I overlaid God on it? Number three, what is it that's just kind of keeps nipping at my mind? And number four, at what point in the day do I just stop and acknowledge him? Look, all of our journey, a journey of faith, it's a muscle that must be built. It doesn't just happen. And so I wanna encourage you, as you start this, start the day with a simple prayer such as this, God, today, I'm gonna trust you in this situation. Give me your strength and your wisdom. Let's pray. Father, we all have faith. We're all trusting in something. All of us are caught up and either choosing to trust in our own ability, choosing to trust in our charisma that we have, choosing to trust in the relationships that we've built. But God, help us to understand that there's an object that is above all that. And Peter realized he could calm the storm. It scared him. Lord, when he realized you could conquer even death itself, it allowed him to begin to have confidence in who you were. 
And Father, we don't know what you're going to do in the storms that we're going to go through. We don't know what your plan is. But may we learn to trust. May we begin to overlay you on top of those problems. So that even when our shoulders are slumping, even when the tears may come, we know that you have us. You have us holded, held up. Lord, you're not going to let us down. We don't know what's going to happen. But Lord, we know we can have confidence. The one who stormed us, who calmed the storms and rose from the grave. And we just want to say we love you.